I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Groundbreakers, history makers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another edition of the fifth quarter. I am your host, Kate Sear, and this week I'm really excited to be joined by one of my absolute favourites in the AFLW, Libby Birch. She is, of course, an AFLW Premiership player, having won the flag with the Bulldogs in 2018 before switching to the Ds, where she's been a consistently reliable pair of hands ever since. She joined their leadership group in 2021, has been All-Australian, recently turned to commentary, and this year has become an increasingly vocal voice for the women who play the game. Most recently, she wrote what I thought was a very brave, courageous, and groundbreaking piece in which she called upon the AFLM players to join together with the AFLW players and bargain for an historic joint collective bargaining agreement that might secure better pay and working conditions for both the men and the women. So I'm going to give Libby a call so she can tell us all about what this would involve and, of course, we'll also talk a bit of footy. Hello. Hi, Libby. It's Kate. Oh, hi, Kate. (laughs) How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since I've spoken to you or seen your face. So um, how how are you doing? Yeah, I know. How are we all doing, really, in these COVID times? It's just been endless the last two years and... I, I, it's just great to be able to be on the footy field again and uh, seeing our fans at games. I think that's been really exciting and just to have footy back. It's just been so interrupted the last couple of years and I'm just loving every minute being out on the field. Yeah, it's been, it's been great for us too and I'm so happy to see you out and, and doing well and for your Ds to be doing well. I, I wonder how you and the rest of the team are coping in this kind of chaotic and uncertain context, both within the challenge of the season of itself, of course, but more broadly. How are you remaining focused? It's certainly challenging us daily. COVID's not something that you can kind of push to the side and get on with the job. It kind of has to, you kind of have to live and breathe it that acceptance in itself is something that can really make you quite free in this such chaotic environment I guess you just put the elite processes that you've done with everything else in your in your sporting life and you just add I guess the elite process of dealing with COVID in that you have to be really careful with everywhere you go you have to make certain sacrifices yes it makes our job uh, very very hard uh, and I'm probably lucky in that I have a flexible job that doesn't uh, put me in, uh, I guess, stressful situations in terms of COVID. But uh, there's not many like me in AFLW where 
people are working full time and having to deal with that stress and also turning up to footy training COVID free, of course, uh, and, and having to perform their best on the field. So it is a very challenging time, but something that I think we've come to accept that, you know, nothing is going to go to plan. <laughs> As we've seen with a lot of the fixture changes, you know, the day before or a week before the game. So yeah, it's all about just taking, I know it's an old cliche, but day by day and doing what we do best, which is play footy. You talked there, Libby, about the workload of players and the commitments that players have outside work. And we're going to dive into that soon. But I want to ask you a particular question about the fixture and and the timing of the season. There's been a lot of debate this year about whether it makes sense to continue to hold AFLW during the height of summer. It's been really hot this year. Do you have a view on whether this is the right time of year to be playing AFLW? This year particularly, I know personally that I've felt the heat enormously. I know that I can speak on behalf of a lot of the players that it has been extremely hot considering the time of year that we are playing. It is a month earlier than what we played last year. So we are experiencing, I guess, even more heat than usual. The highlight of playing when we do play is that we have clean air, as they call it in quotation marks, away from men's footy. I guess I I am of the opinion that I wouldn't mind where we played our season. To me, it doesn't matter whether we have clean air or we have a shared joy of footy with the men's uh, league. I think that that is something we need to look to in the future because we're going to have 18 women's teams next year and that is going to nicely marry with all the the men's teams and we're going to exist as one there is a definite conversation that needs to be had about where we're heading and yeah I I am of the opinion that I don't really mind where where we play uh, because I think the game will grow in any sense where we're situated throughout the year. Talking about becoming one you have written about the fact that later this year the AFL will enter into a process with the players to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement or CPA which sets out your pay and, and other working entitlements and conditions and Libby I was really impressed by a piece that you wrote about that where you have been advocating for men and women to come together uh, and to bargain collectively. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think that's important and what that would mean practically for both the AFLM and AFLW players if you came together in this way? Yeah, I think over the the past couple of years, both competitions have been very distinct and very separated uh, because of the AFL men's long history. Uh, It's almost as if AFLWs come in as a bit of a side hustle. But I believe after five seasons, it's time we separate ourselves from the gender, you know, these two competitions, and really see us as a collective body, as AFL players, not as AFL men's players and AFLW players. That is going to be pivotal in how we not only grow our game, but how we as players, particularly females, achieve equality in the next couple of years. We can't do this by ourselves, and I think that it's time that we have our male counterparts step up and really support us on and off the field. I feel like it's been left to too few. I think with this next CBA, regardless of whether it is a joint CBA or a uh, two singulars again, the sentiment has to be that we're there to support each other and that the male players are advocating for our female rights, getting equality, getting professionalism in the next couple of years and vice versa. 
we know that as as female players, we we definitely stand by our male players, but there needs to be some sort of cohesiveness. These things will come down to, I know that you, you asked for specifics, but broadcast deals, how is Channel 7 going to manage men's and women's viewership pay? The, where's the pay progress going to come from? You know, the question is, will male players have to sacrifice some pay or will there be more pay allocated to the women's how many hours are going to be paid for in the women's league and will our male players support us in that working conditions such as you know at the moment our male players have so much support around them because of their full-time nature and for us our staff are they're underpaid and they are really limited in in the amount of support that they get so it's about growing the game as a whole and whether we can support each other as colleagues. Are you hoping that if the men took this idea up and bargained with you collectively and got behind the women from the AFLW that they would also put their hands up to sacrifice a bit of pay moving forward so that it could be shifted across to the women uh, and that your pay could increase accordingly? Do you have a view on on whether you'd like to see them do that? That has been discussed. I think Craig Starchevich really did question recently whether the men are willing to give up something for us. Uh, For me, I'm coming more from the view and I think what's more important to me is not whether they're giving up things physically. It's the act of support is what means most to us. The stance that they take is more important because I think that's going to go far more than giving up a bit of pay for us. I'd rather uh, our top male leaders coming out and saying that we support and we are we want to push for females to get better pay better working conditions we want the league to be as professional as it can be I'd rather that than any physical means that the male players can sacrifice now there is a precedent for this and you made this point in the article that you wrote Libby and that is that uh, a few years ago the men and women who play for the Australian cricket teams came together united and bargained collectively and made some real progress there I wonder if you're taking any advice from people involved in cricket and if they can help you at all in this in the pursuit of this process. Yeah, well, one thing that is really good is uh, as part of our AFL Players Association, we actually have Ben Smith, who was part of their association at that time. So he's actually been through that joint collaboration of the two CBAs. So it's nice to have someone from cricket within our current AFL Players Association. But I think, yeah, it is wise to have a think about the views and the stance that the players themselves took. Regardless of our associations, the the leadership needs to come from players. Like this is ultimately our game and we need to shape it the way that we want it to, to look. We're role models, we have that responsibility and I think ultimately it comes down to, yeah, where we sit with this and where our male colleagues sit with this. Yeah, I, I truly believe the sentiment has to be standing as one. And listening to you too, Libya, it strikes me that the question I asked you earlier about whether you'd like to see the men sacrifice a bit of pay is only one way of seeing how this might play out. Because another possibility, of course, and much more likely is that if you work together, you'll grow the pie yes, rather exactly. than yeah. having to share the pie yeah. or cut up the pie in a, in a different way. And I, I think that's happening in, in other sports where women's sports exploding too. Can you tell me if there are any discussions that have been happening behind the scenes yet about uh, or between AFLW and AFLM players about this process. Is there anything that's being done already to try and build a coalition or to build solidarity in the way that you're asking for, Libby, around these issues? Yeah, I think 
initially what's COVID hasn't helped us at all because we've been physically separated over the last two years. And I think that that's unfortunately really halted relationships and discussions between male and female players, particularly at a club level. And that's been really unfortunate. But I think now's the time that we are sort of coming back together. COVID situations are, I guess, uh, we've got more plans in place to to stop the spread. I think now's the time to really start that discussion. And I know that uh, the AFL Players Association has now started to go physically out to clubs and have discussions around CBAs and things like that. That's been important as well. But on top of that, I believe that our top leaders in the the female AFLW and our male leaders need to come together to have a discussion, whether it's just an informal discussion or just the act of, yeah, bringing it up, starting the conversation and not letting... Our association does a wonderful job, but as I said before, I think it is about us really leading the way. Discussions have been halted to this point due to COVID, but we are seeing, yeah, our association come out to our clubs individually now and and speak to us. So I think that's been really progressive. But it's going to come around so quickly and both our agreements are finishing at the end of this year. So I guess the faster we can have this conversation and get the news out there to our fans and all the players, the better. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Kurt Fernley, and I love listening to The Outer Sanctum. Libby, I have to preface this question by saying I know it is not your responsibility to convince uh, the men of your worth as women, um, but I wonder if you can give us a couple of reasons why the men should get on board with this campaign. We've seen lots of examples over the past couple of years of, of male players naturally having that conversation, whether it's publicly showing, you know, the utmost respect for our female players. And, you know, one that comes to mind is Dangerfield posting uh, a little tweet earlier on in round one saying Monique Conti is up for the best and fairest. And I guess that mutual respect is something that's that's really important. For our male players, I think it comes down to a little bit of initiative. Change can only happen from initiative. And and as I think I've learnt from the one and only Daisy Pierce is that if you want actions to happen, you actually physically have to do them yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to show the way. If you're asking for something, you need to be able to, to prove that you're on the same page. So I think a lot of our work as female footballers is showing our male footballers what support, care, you know, collaboration looks like. And then from there, I think we can expect that we get that nice natural cohesiveness. I think it will take time, but it is something that I think is important for our male players to grow their game and to to role model equality and to show their fans that they are well and truly on the ball with equality and respecting female athletes, women in sport. I just think it's time to 
to push for that. You know, it's not lost on me, Libby, that some of the most vocal voices in footy that have supported women are at your club. Ben Brown is somebody yeah. who springs to mind too, as somebody who has been really vocal about supporting women's footy and um, and uh, ha- has shown a lot of leadership in this space too. Some years ago, Libby, you and I were connected. The first time we ever connected was before the first ball had ever even bounced in the AFLW, where a mutual friend of ours, Trisha, brought us together. And you might recall that perhaps our first contact was when I sent you an email and asked if you would be interested in coming on our little fledgling podcast to tell your story, because I knew you had this very interesting story with a background in netball and having transitioned to footy. And it's always stuck in my mind that you responded to me and sent me your CV and highlighted your background and said you'd be really grateful for the opportunity to come on if I thought that your CV and your credentials looked appropriate. And and we've spoken about this and and I know that you're happy for me to share with our audience that you did that. But it always stuck in my mind because I felt that it said something really important about how some women in the game might feel and that is that it's a privilege to get an opportunity for anything at all, including doing media in your spare time, to promote the game for free. I wonder, Libby, if we can revisit that five years on. Do you do you feel that that's an attitude that you still encounter among other women in footy? and Or do you think that the women who are playing now sit more comfortably in their own skin and feel more confident that they belong here and that they deserve to be here? It is something that I personally grapple with because I think inherently in women's footy particularly, we haven't been given opportunities to date that I guess symbolize the respect of our uh, you know equality between male and female athletes and yes it's improved over the last five years but I think there's still a long way to go. I do grapple to be honest with feeling grateful when things do go right and we do get an opportunity but I do have I, I have learned over the last five years that grateful is probably not probably not the right term that gives myself respect but also the female body yes we can be grateful for the opportunity but we can't be grateful for the opportunity because we're females um it shouldn't be associated with gender and I think uh we deserve it's it's about what we deserve and what is right and what is equal rather than feeling as though we owe the sport anything or owe the AFL anything for giving us this opportunity, I guess. And I, and you hear this a lot. They say, oh, well, you know, the AFLW League was uh, pushed forward three years. You know, you have that human element where you go, yeah, that was, we are so privileged to have had that moved forward. And then you, you think the other side to it is like, well, it wasn't moved forward early enough. It is something that we need to be strong on and we need to almost, well, for me personally, I need to fight the urge of of feeling <laughs> of feeling grateful and being put into that sort of space of like, oh, this is just so, yeah, this is so nice that we're getting the opportunity, whereas it needs to come from a stance that, yes, we deserve this opportunity, let's take it um, and let's push, push for more. So I think that I've learned to acknowledge what we've received but then also have, I guess, the peace of mind to look for more uh, because we're definitely not at equality yet and we've got a long way to go. And I think now that I have that perspective, it gives me a little bit more insight into fighting those feelings of feeling, <laughs> I guess, grateful and, and privileged to be in, in the position that we are in. 
are these conversations that you have within the the club, especially with younger with younger players who are coming up through the system? Yeah, I, it's interesting because I I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I personally think that a lot of people that feel like this are the ones that did start in inception in 2017. Whereas I believe the girls now coming through have had such a unique pathway and they've really seen AFLW on the big stage and it being recognised. Whereas I think myself and the players that began in 2017 know what it was beforehand uh, and what we've gone through. I, I think it's truly important to keep, I guess, sharing the experiences from older players to younger players about where we've come from because it's not about our younger players coming through now and just accepting what we're given, that we need them to fight for for what we want this league to look like. In order for them to fight, they need to understand the previous history of our players have gone through and what they've fought for to date, because that understanding not only gives you sort of that emotional connection to it, but yeah, it, it brings it new life, particularly with younger players. They have all that energy. That's going to be the process from here on in is we need everyone to chip in and contribute. Let's just have a couple of questions about the season that, that is and um, the, the season that's still left to run. Tell us about the Ds and where you're sitting at the moment and, and how you're feeling going into these last few weeks of the season. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great season so far. We've really enjoyed it. We uh, we got shown up by Adelaide. I think that was really important for us to see where the competition benchmark is, uh, and I believe they are they are the best team at the moment. We've been able to sort of introduce so many players into our team that have really made a huge impact, but also our younger players have you know our first few players that started last year have really grown their game enormously and having a huge impact as well. So. For us, we've been so close over the last couple of years, it's almost frustratingly close, as the fans would say. Uh, it's it's For us, it's about finding more consistency in our game and a build throughout this season rather than spe- you know showing all our cards early. I think we're, we're really building into the last part of this season. Our Dees listeners will be very, very <laughs> pleased to hear that. Libby, are you taking any advice or is there any lesson to be gained from the men having won the premiership so recently? We had uh, Neil Bullen speak to us. Uh, we, we had a grand fight, like a, a bit of a celebration for the, the men and he spoke on the stage and to hear he's part of the leadership group in our men's team and, and he was extremely vocal about some of the things they did as leaders to, to take them through to a premiership. That's been really interesting. And then over the past couple of weeks, we've had Choco Williams come out and do some skills with us and, and just sort of start to incorporate some of those habits from that premiership team into our our side how they you know managed to do it and the one thing that really sticks with me is that you know it wasn't just one year that they mm-hmm. achieved a you know a premiership that premiership had been built over you know a few seasons of of trial and error and and then finally getting it right uh, yeah I think they've 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 been pivotal in in how we sort of look at this season and and what we can take from their win. You've moved into doing a lot more media work this year, Libby, and not just writing um, like the piece that we talked about earlier, but you've also been doing some commentary. It's been so great to hear you on our screens. Uh, I'm really interested in knowing whether that has any benefits for your own game. For me personally, it's it's been fantastic to be able to, to watch more games of footy. I, coming from a netball background, I probably haven't watched as much footy as everyone else. And I have been studying the game from a, probably a, from a coach's point of view 
and and being on the boundary line has really I guess enabled me to see what changes impact a game and what change was that and then how can I identify as a player during my own games what changes need to be made for us to get momentum back and I think one player that does that extremely well is Daisy Pierce and and we know that when we see her commentate it's very much exactly like how she sees the game and I think that's what makes her so unique in that commentary position is she's really giving that player's point of view or that captain's point of view of how she would go about changing the game Uh, and I think that's really interesting. Is there much scope for you as a player to make adjustments without getting the runner to go back and forth and consult with the coach? Can you change little things up in the course of the game if you want to? There's only so many things the coach can change out on the field and the runner, you know, by the time the coach gives the message to the runner, gives the message to the player, three or four, five minutes has gone past. So if you want immediate change, something that I've learned from days is that you've just, you've, as players, it's got to be on us to, to make that call. Uh, and you might get it wrong, but that's all learning. And if you, you've got to have in footy, a game can change in a minute. So you've got to be able to change, I guess, alter or adapt to what your opposition's doing very quickly. And I think that that comes down to the players' ability to see that on the ground. Well, Libby, you, you've been a leader on the field. You're leading off the field as well. And I, as I said earlier, I think our D's listeners will be absolutely thrilled to hear your perspective and hear that you feel that the team's building and hopefully building towards an historic premiership. It would be wonderful to see. So thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum. Good luck with the CBA campaign. We'll keep an eye on it and we might have you back uh, later in the year to talk about it, depending on how it all unfolds. No, thank you so much, Kate, and thanks for the call.